0: Hi, I'm Jacqueline Goddard, and this is Attica's Arts Creative Conversations podcast, where I talk to business and charity leaders about creativity, and how they use it at work and at play. This week's guest is sales guru, author, and dragon slayer, Jules White. Enjoy. Welcome to my podcast, Jules White. It's lovely to have you here. Jules is the Chief Inspiration Officer at uh, Live It, Love It, Sell It. Um, book author, give us some, some other titles that you like to go about Jules. <laughs>
1: Well, I suppose when you look at it, oh, hello, by the way, Jackie, lovely to be here. Um, I suppose when you look at it, I have, uh, I do speaking now. So I did quite a lot of speaking. So speaker, I've written a book, author. um, I uh, am a coach, mentor and trainer around the subject of sales, everybody's favorite subject. And so, yeah, that's kind of me really, Jackie.
0: Yeah, well, there's a master of all as well. I'm sure. <laughs> I looked at your website, and obviously you've got an academy, um, and you know, there's lots of stuff on there. And also, you've done a fabulous TED talk that I listened to. Uh, so mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your background. I mean, obviously, the, the podcast the podcast is around creativity, so I'm just I'm always intrigued to know where people have come from. I mean, obviously, you say sales as if it's a <laughs> As if it's a word people don't really want to to go near and I have a similar thing with creativity is that people kind of give you a strange look when you when you mention it mm. but there's something in in your background that is to do with sales that makes you passionate about it
1: yeah and I always think um I mean I left school at 16 which you kind of can't do now I think you you really start at 18 more than 16 now so I was so young my son's 16 now and I'm yeah. like Oh, my goodness. I started work when I was his age. And I went to my full time job with Nat West Bank, you know, I, I really proper went out and started work. And that was something I always wanted to do. I didn't want to study. But my real place I fell in love with sales was when I was a little girl, because my dad ran the local sweet shop. Ooh. So, you know, he was, everybody knew dad. He was really beautiful and charismatic and the energy around him was always so lovely and everybody just loved him and he loved his customers. He knew their names. He had their stuff on the counter ready for them. And for me, that's where I fell in love with this whole idea of sales. This is what sales was and what it looked like. I never forgot that when I went through my journey and my career, which was probably 30 plus years of selling because I stayed in sales roles, really, right throughout my career, lots of different sectors. And the thing about it was, however much they trained me to sell, Jackie, I always came back to, oh, how did my dad do it? Conversations and being curious and being me. Uh, And that was why I was successful at sales. You know, that's how I felt. So the creativity side, I suppose, of that story is that it, was all, it all came from my dad being creative in his own right in how he ran his business.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's that thing of communication, isn't it? And conversation and authenticity. Again, we come back to that. But it is, you know, that's so important in selling, as, as in all areas of life. But you, you kind of have to build that rapport. And I would imagine as, a, as somebody behind a counter that is, you know, in conversation with people all day,
1: every day. Yeah, very much. And and little things like he would dress the shop window in a way like no other shop windows were being dressed. And he would dress up a Santa at Christmas. And so there was all these little things that dad did, which were almost above and beyond him just running the shop. And that was what made him very special, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you've just taken me back to my childhood. I used to get, this shows my age, a sixpence. Gosh, that was, yeah, that must have been, what, 1970-ish? I don't know. Um, But that was my sweet money. And, yeah, I used to, the sweet shops aren't the same now, are they? I think they tried to bring them back, but they're not quite the same.
1: Yeah, we had a 10p ration every Friday, um, you know, and we were the children of the man who ran the shop, and we still had only 10p for the week, you know. So I'd get my half-pence sweets and I'd fill up my bag, you know. Oh,
0: yeah, that reminds (laughs) me of, uh, is it fruit salad and blackjack?
1: Yes, exactly that. Yeah, yeah, it was lovely.
0: Talk all day about sweets. Yeah.
1: Um, Yes. uh, What I was
0: going to go on to there, oh, that's the train of thought there. You've taken me off on sweets. Sorry. (laughs) Um, uh, The passion around sales, I think. Oh, I've heard a quote lately, and I've I've heard it a long time ago, but it came up again this this quite recently, was the fact that, uh, and I don't know who said it, was that people hate to be sold to but they love to
1: buy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great quote and, and let's face it, we're all buyers, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. So even the people who come to me and say, well, I can't sell. And I, you know, I hate selling. I say to them, right. Well, you're a buyer. What do you want? Put yourself in the shoes of the buyer. What do you want when you buy something? Yeah. And we, and we buy because we usually need it or we have a desire for it. It might mm-hmm. be something like a treat even, but, We all buy and we all buy for the reasons why we buy. I did a little survey not long ago and I gave them three things. Do you buy for price? Do you buy for the person who's selling to you? Or do you buy for value? Put them in an order. And about 90% of people put value right at the top before even um, price. And price came at the bottom. So it was value, person they buy from, and then price. It was yeah. a fascinating yeah, survey.
0: absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because you, you, you would imagine that someone like your dad in a sweet shop wouldn't have to do much selling. But I suppose yeah. you know, he, he had to, as you say, dress the window. He had to make sure that he knew what people wanted to buy. That's
1: yeah, and I think uh, that the selling part is, is even more than that in terms of getting people to come back again. So, yes, they would come in because they needed to buy the paper or the cigarettes, but they could probably go to 10 other shops to do that. But they wouldn't, they would come back to dad because they like the experience of that, you know. Yeah.
0: So the experience is is the thing then, the experience is key.
1: I think yeah. so, yeah. I still believe people predominantly buy people. Yeah. I know I've wanted to buy something and I've gone somewhere else because of the person who was trying to sell to me. And yeah. it's terrible to say it, isn't it? But I know I've done that, you know. Yeah.
0: No, you're absolutely right. And the more I um the more I look into sales, I was uh my last podcast guest was Matt
1: King. I've know. been on his podcast as well. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we all do
0: the we'll do the rounds. Um but yeah, fascinating to talk to him about sales too. And I was saying to him that I just am sales phobic in my world. You know, I am my business and, and it feels very awkward sometimes to sell myself, you know. I'm a coach, so I I'm I work one-to-one so yeah it's i find it a little bit awkward and he was he just looked at me like very strangely, and said why why would you and you said said something similar before we started recording it's like well, why could you not sell um but okay. i think- I think it's almost like an alter ego that I would kind of said with him and he said he has an alter ego that if he has to sell, he almost takes on a character, which kind yeah. of me because obviously from my acting background.
1: Well, yeah, but I also have a I guess a, a different uh, perspective on it to that as well, because my big thing is to I want you to be you. So actually, I don't want you to take on another ego or even a persona. Um, because I believe people will buy because of who you are. And I think what we do with sales is we make it um, a dirty word. We, we put it into this place of being something. Yeah. Uh, and so that's where all the fear starts bubbling up. Whereas if we just actually look at it as helping someone, giving something, that's a solution. Instead of selling, it's a mind shift. And then you can just be you with it, which yeah. is the, the adorable bit and your greatest asset.
0: Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I mean, I wrote a, a blog not long ago, uh, one of the ones that actually was read by quite quite a few people, more than normal. Which was your story is your USP. Yes. And I know that you have something similar on your uh, in your podcast. or yes. On your website, that is uh, your human.
1: Yes. So your something. UHP. So U-H-P. yeah. U-H-P. It's so fascinating that you have mentioned that, Jackie, because in training uh, over the 30 years of being in sales, we were always taught USP was the most important thing, your unique selling proposition. Everybody would bang on about this. The phrase was coined in the 1940s. Can you believe that? So you imagine how much our world has changed. And now I believe USP is not as strong and, and um, effective as uhp which is your unique human proposition which is actually you because there's no other you on the planet so i you know that that's kind of where i really come from in it as a as a being your your biggest asset
0: Yes, and I think that's why you know people picked up on that blog because they they sort of it, it is you know obviously the way that I'd phrased it I did I used USP and I was thinking a unique selling point. Um, yes. but I think because I'd put your story. Yes, that's the that, that's the bit the thing that people yeah. picked up on that. And it was, yeah. yeah, that's um, that's and,
1: really the bit. It's so, it's so important that. Yeah
0: yeah and it is that kind of sharing your story in order to build credibility and build trust and be authentic and as you say with your father that kind of that um, that experience of 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 being a customer in that customer salesman role. So going back to uh, your story and using your story as your, uh, your USP or your UHP, your unique human proposition, um, I'd listened to your TED talk. And that actually is, is you being very open and very authentic. Um, how did that come about? How how did you decide what you were going to put into that TED talk? Because certainly, from when I've spoken to people about their stories and tried to encourage them to share their stories and use their stories, people get very kind of oh no, I can't do that. They get they they they're frightened of mm. being judged or rejected, all those sort of things. Um, so how did you come up with with that TED talk? And yeah,
1: so there's a great story to this actually which I will make a short one Uh, and that is that I had seven days notice for my TEDx talk okay which is really different most people have a long prep time I'm so glad I didn't have that because I'm much better just just being chucked in and having to do it and for that reason two reasons one I had such short notice so there was no way I could really prepare something maybe that I had to learn more about for instance this had to be my story because I knew it and I knew I could stand on stage and tell it. So that was the first thing. The second then thing was the theme of the TEDx talk was adventures and journeys. And so for me, um, some of the speakers had climbed all of the seven peaks in the world and you know, they, they were wonderful, amazingly brave people and there was little me. Mine had to be about my journey, um, which also was an adventure at times. So those two things combined, I decided that what would probably be really good to do was tell the story, but take it in the form of what the audience would learn from my journey. Because that's always the the thing, isn't it, with speaking? You've got to tell a story, but with the audience in mind as to what they'll take away from it. So the that that's why I chose the journey from losing the business ultimately, which I had, which is the one I took in Dragon's Den and what happened next? Because I thought, well, I kind of got back up again and survived it. So I may as well tell it in case it helps someone else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And obviously your dad came into that story too, didn't he? The... Very much. Yeah, yeah. And
1: mum did at times as well, yeah. because obviously my I lost my mum as well quite quickly Yeah. Um, within three months. And she was, um, actually, my mum's been a big part of my story, but I talk about dad a lot. I always feel a bit guilty about that. She quietly sits in the background of my story. She was my rock, you know. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and, and so what happened after that TED Talk? Did you, did you find that people were coming to you uh, and saying you'd inspired them? Because I find that um, listening to other people's stories, not just is inspiring or motivational, but it just kind of validates what other people have been through.
1: What yeah, feedback yeah. did you get? I got amazing feedback and I was very humbled because I didn't really think I'd done anything special on my journey, which is the problem of most people. They think they haven't got a story. And I always think someone's been through far, far, far worse than I ever have. But it's actually about what you did on the journey, which then inspires the person sitting in the audience who may be in that journey right now. Yeah. So I got messages of all sorts of people who said, I have done this because of your talk. Wow. Thank you. Um, I thought that I couldn't do this and now I know I can. You know, those messages from complete strangers were just wonderful. I got speaking bookings, paid speaking bookings from the TEDx. Lots of the di- lots of things happened really that that changed changed me again in a way. I think you always changed through your journey anyway, but yeah. it was wonderful. It was yeah. a great opportunity I had.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's always there's a bucket list of mine, you know, and I and I know sort of people I I've, quite a few people I've spoken to actually would love to to put that together, and it's it's a way in the coaching that I do around sort of voice and communication um, to sort of say to people, okay, if you were doing a TED talk, what would you put into it? So it's always yeah. a, a reference because you've got that sort of eighteen minutes
1: yes well i think it was i think i had 14 actually i don't know if that's different but uh tedx brighton's a pretty big one there's about 1600 1700 people in the dome at brighton it's a huge venue you know to, to have a tedx there was incredible um, and very scary yeah. so uh, you know there was a, there was a massive audience and uh, it it was yeah it was the energy i think in a TEDx talk, whether it's a smaller or a bigger audience, yeah. is one of people who have come to hear you. Yeah. They're so supportive of you. They want to hear what you've got to say. It's very special, yeah. TEDx. Yeah. And
0: yeah. had you done anything like that before?
1: No, I hadn't. The stuff I'd done before was just after Dragon's Den, which was way back in 2005 when I actually got booked to be a speaker and paid to be a speaker with no idea of what I was actually doing. So I just used to stand up in front of these conferences and just tell the Dragon's Den story. <laughs>
0: oh, okay. like, Please tell us the Dragon's Den story. I'm, I'm dying to hear how it came out.
1: <laughs> well, it was um, 2005. So we're going back quite a long way. Uh, My son, Sam, was born on the 1st of January in 2005, New Year's Day. And three months after he was born, and I had already said to my husband at the time, who's now my ex-husband, I don't want to come back and work in your business, because that's what I'd been doing. I turned to him and said, I'm going to start a business. (laughs) He sort of looked at me and he said, but you were not going to come back to work because you wanted to be with Sam. I said, yeah, but I've got a great idea. I could do parties selling baby products and take Sam with me. And so could loads of mums. And then we could socialize and we could have a purpose and we can try before we buy. Everybody loves parties. And this is the days, Jackie, when we were doing Tupperware, underwear, you know, and summers, everything. We went to a party to buy everything. But nobody was selling baby products it was was, why aren't they doing that so I researched a bit more and I found out in 2005 700,000 babies had been born and I was like oh my goodness well there's my audience straight away times it by three or four for parents grandparents etc so I I got some products together that I thought were really beautiful I made a catalog I made a website this is all when Sam was three months old Mm -hmm. I saw an advert on my computer that said we're looking for applicants for Dragon's Den And when he was five months old, I was stood in front of the five dragons pitching Truly Madly Baby. Wow. I'd only had uh, 10 parties. I'd turned over 2,700 quid and I had six consultants. I mean, there wasn't really a business there at that point. Well oh, no, that's pretty good going, though. <laughs> <laughs> and I had. And the, this is also the days when there wasn't really social media. So no. we were on, like, Mumsnet, NetMums, the forums on the websites. And that's where I, I marketed Truly Madly Baby. And these dragons were amazing, ruthless, Uh, All sorts. I was in front of them for two and a half hours.
0: Wow. Obviously you Um, don't
1: see that. You don't. You see 14 minutes on the actual program. And Theopafetus and Peter Jones were bidding against each other to invest in my business, my little truly madly baby business. It was surreal. And I went with Peter Jones on the filming, shook his hand, and he invested for 45% of my business. So I still maintained the, the share. That was May. We got in the back of a black cab and went home thinking Rodney will we'll be millionaires. <laughs> yeah. And we did not hear anything till September to actually say what we needed to do next. And that was contracts. Basically, they sent contracts through, which my solicitor looked at and said, please don't sign these. You don't need to. Right. Um, now, all of this time, Jackie, we still hadn't been on the telly. So actually got shown at the end of October, early November, just before Christmas. By which time we'd said no and we hadn't done the deal all right so it goes out on the telly everybody thinks you've done the deal obviously because it that's when it was filmed i had two and a half thousand emails that night into my inbox people just went mad for truly madly baby and by christmas i would got 60 plus consultants right. already uh, onboarded and working yeah and by year three, I turned over a million and I was um, Global Inquiries. I was 432 consultants across the UK. Um, it was amazing. Amazing, yeah. amazing, amazing. So I
0: on, on that night when the, those 2,000 emails came in, and it, how did you handle that amount without the investment? <laughs> I mean, I can understand if, if you'd have had that money and that investment, then, yeah, you're ready to go. Yeah. But without that investment, how did you scale
1: it like that I literally spend I think the next two three days answering every single email because it's kind of something I always did and, and still do now I, I it's mad really but I I hate not responding to things and that was special because it was from the program so I literally answered all the emails then we started to get the applications and I just worked 20 hours a day seven days a week literally for three years with a small baby because right. I, I, I just had to immerse myself in this and I was passionate about it as well, but I was knackered and I didn't realise until oh. everything stopped, you know, that I was so tired. So year three came and we had a really successful business with no foundations in it and the, and here was the big, big problem. Yeah. So it took till then for us to say we can't cope with this anymore. We have no stock systems My dad at 76 was in the warehouse picking and packing with me, and his amazing brain was my stock-taking system. Uh, He was wonderful. But it wasn't good enough for a million-pound business, you know. So we had to have another level of investment, really, to to put in what we needed. And my investor, who had been someone who I knew, who I'd played hockey with, and she saw the program way back and said, I'll invest she wanted 75% of my business to put any more money in Yeah, and um, having yeah. not really, not really done some of the things I think I wanted her to do to support me. But my naivety was about, I just was in the business and not working on it, you know? And, yeah. um, and so um, I, she closed the business down and bought it back the next day and I lost absolutely everything. Cause I said no to the 75% share. So, um, so we couldn't really carry on without that extra investment to manage the success that we'd, we'd built.
0: Wow. And it can happen that, that fast that she, could, she was able to do pretty, that.
1: Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I suppose I can't remember when the initial discussions were that we needed to actually change some stuff. I can't remember how long that was before the date that we really closed. But it was around May, I remember, which was three years almost to the day that I stood in front of the Dragon's pitch in my business so it was a very interesting and then the TEDx takes over the journey really from there
0: yeah I mean obviously you know that's that's quite a devastating loss I mean as much as people think oh it's a business but obviously it was your life it it, It, it,
1: it was it was like a grief I I often describe it like that because it was born from Sam so you know he's the love of my life and, um, you know, he was the reason I started it all and to lose it in the way I lost it was just painful. It was yeah. very, very painful. Yeah. But I was exhausted. And honestly, if I'd carried on, who knows, I probably would have actually crashed and yeah. burnt quite severely, I think. Um, yeah. But I didn't realise that at the time.
0: No, I don't think I don't think people do when they're kind of in the midst of all that. As you say, you're kind of in your business rather than yeah. working on it. You work. yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, so. You now obviously look back on that as a, as an experience. Was it a learning curve for you? Was it something yeah. that you kind of taken as something that uh, you know you learn from?
1: Massively, yeah. yeah. Not only on a business level, but also on a life level. Yeah. You know, I remember that taxi ride back from filming, saying we're going to be millionaires. That was all that was in my mind is that we're going to be rich. It was about money. Yeah. And actually nothing now is about money in my mind because it's so much more important that I love what I do and I'm helping people. And I have a really cute, successful business now Yeah. Yeah, that means I'm not rich or a millionaire, but I'm totally rich in my heart and my soul and I am really lucky I have had a house I have yeah. food you know and so the life lessons from it I think were really profound yeah
0: and that's what came across in the in the talk so that, yeah. that was inspirational was the fact yeah. that it happened it is you know that kind of grief that you then then you move on from yeah so, you do. Of, about Sam you were, you were saying he makes music what's the, <gasps> I, I also have a 17-year-old at home making music in lockdown. So Oh,
1: that's so amazing. Yeah, so Sam's been musical since he was about, I was probably seven. We bought a piano. I, I was determined I would buy a piano. I play saxophone clarinet. Um, oh. I, I play piano just because I can read music. So I'm not good at any of them, but I love music. And he started on this piano at seven. Jackie, I swear, I thought, oh, my goodness, he's never going to be able to do a th- thing in music. He would clunk around, and I'd think he's got no rhythm. He can't hear the notes, <laughs> And he plays the most beautiful piano, self-taught. Wow. He records and produces music through his computer. I mean, the stuff he's he's coming out with now is stunning. Yeah. And he is going on to do music production at college in September, and he's just wonderful, beautiful, yeah. creative boy I have produced, you know. <laughs>
0: Well, obviously, he gets, he gets it from you. I, I mean, so the, so the music that's in you, is that something you use? I mean, obviously, um, going back to the creativity and a question that I quite often ask through these podcasts is how have people used their creativity during lockdown as a, as a kind of aid to
1: well-being? I mean, yeah, well, uh, there's, there's definitely something I can tell you about what, how I've used it in lockdown. And, and I would always say to you, if you ask me, Jackie, I'm not creative. It's so interesting, isn't it, what you said earlier? I'm not creative. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, And it's because I, as you say, we think of artists or, you know, even musicians, you know, um, and I think I play music and I love music, but I'm not good enough to say I'm creative. Well, of course I am, and I know that now, but I'm creative in my way. So I created my academy kind of membership uh, product, which was during lockdown, and I created it as a high street because yeah. so everything is shop-based so everything you do is in a certain shop so there's a coffee shop or there's a, um, a box office to book your live events or there's a, a sweet shop to do your learning and that for me is my little creative space and yeah. I go mad in there I love it yeah. It's it's wonderful yeah. so that that was my lockdown creativity right there
0: Definitely brilliant
1: Sam definitely has just immersed himself in his music even more. I think what's really nice about our relationship and music uh, is that I hear music in every single level. I hear every instrument in a piece of music. I hear every beat, every bass line, every treble line. So for me, I think that's my uh, skill, if you like, in music. And that's how I can help Sam. So he produces it, and then I say oh, I can hear that line, make that longer there or put that higher there and he changes it and we go, <gasps> and so that's how magic it is
0: mother-son collaboration
1: it's it's lovely and it's not me at all it's him but I'm he he inspires me yeah
0: oh that's great and is is it just the two of you in the house during? yeah
1: yeah we've been um Richard and I in in the TEDx obviously I talk about in 2009 uh, the marriage broke down so I've been on my own since 2009 which is gosh what 11 years isn't it now so 12 years It, It. such a long time to have just never actually met someone again and it does make me a little bit sad but um I'm incredibly independent because of it I suppose as well so yeah it's me and Sam and he does have a relationship with his dad it's all good he's got a baby brother just come last year
0: Wow!
1: so you know it's fine we've had had our journey but it's it's lovely yeah but it's just
0: great um so going back to the creativity what, have you got a definition then? I mean, obviously you say you didn't feel creative, but actually, you know you are. Yeah. Um, that's very evident in our conversation. How would you define it then? I mean, obviously we discussed the, the, the difference between creativity being an artist, but what, what is it to you?
1: I think for me, creativity, when I, when I feel like I'm being creative, I feel like I'm free. And I think there's like a freedom a kind of I don't really care what anyone thinks now because I love this so much if, if I could describe it like that yeah and that's how I feel when I did the high street stuff I was just I was so immersed in it and I was like oh we could do this and we can have this shop and this shop could represent this and it suddenly became not just about uh, the offering of the product but the wonderful creativity that went with it, you know, and I was getting excited about going in and I put um, Christmas lights up on the high street. In this membership,
0: I mean, it was. i, I was just going to explore. I saw you know, it on the website, but I didn't. I didn't. Click yeah. on I'll have to go in and have a look.
1: Yeah, and so it was all those little things, and then suddenly I think, oh gosh, I can theme this all year round. We can have Easter, and we can have Valentine's, and we can have Christmas, and yeah. and that for me is just this freedom of me just going wild in there. It's this yeah. free space, you know. So I think that that's what I feel creativity is about
0: yeah and uh, yes it is about the, the process of getting lost in something and you can just kind of feel your your brain sparking we, yeah we're ears, you know it's and without
1: a... worrying without worrying about what other people think of it because you love it so much you're just gonna you're just gonna do it
0: yeah <laughs> okay. do it anyway yeah but during lockdown then how, how have you balanced work and, oh, and obviously in in lockdown all my work stopped so I have found it very uh enlightening and very creative because I have had the time that I never had before to do yeah. things I would always had always wanted to do but never had the time to do so obviously you've you've gone into the website and created that but but how has work been and, and business been for you through the through the lockdown
1: well when it first hit in March last year which is the very start of it all I lost 25,000 pounds literally overnight yeah. and you know I, I'm a very small solopreneur business so it's a massive hit. Uh, I sat in the kitchen and cried and uh, Sam sat next to me and he said, uh, mum, you made a different stuff to this. And it was, you know, one of those lovely moments where he's just got such belief in me, which is lovely. And then he said, but you already work online, mum. So just take everything back online, everything you do offline, do it online, you know, and it, I know obvious things and really simple, but it's sometimes the thought of how you do that, that becomes the overwhelming bit. But Sam saying that to me and me looking at Sam and thinking, I am not going to let you down, kid, you know, because he, he, he is my driver in yeah. a lot of the stuff I do. As you'll know, I just set up everything online. So all the coaching was online, no matter what. I ran workshops online. Yeah. I did speaking online, would you believe? And, and I was busy, busy, busy through the summer, like I couldn't believe um, and very, very grateful to have been able to just transfer that and, yeah. and still run my business. And then the membership obviously was just another thing that I could do online. So, How does
0: that work, the membership? Talk us through what yeah, that is. so
1: I mean, it's a monthly subscription, so you pay £47 a month and it is a, a place to learn. You've got mini lessons all about my sales methodology. So they're 10, 15-minute bite-sized videos. You have a quiz that then confirms whether you were watching the video <laughs> and what you learned we have live events every week which are on zoom obviously because we can't meet at the moment and there's experts come in who then enhance a beyond sales which is yeah. super um, and we also have a coffee shop which is kind of where we chat and we share anything that we want to share and so it's this lovely hub of connection learning and belonging so it's a real community that we're, we're growing. And, and there's about 30 members at the moment. So it's not even huge. And I started it in September. But there's this lovely energy in there, you know. And so I do want to grow it. But yeah. it, it's, that's not like it's not about getting thousands of people in it. It's about the community that we're building, which yeah. is beautiful.
0: Oh, that sounds great. i won't get to go for a walk down your high school.
1: <laughs> yeah, do, do. There's a couple of videos on YouTube, which are really easy to watch, that just give you the idea of what it looks like. So it's all based on my website. So.
0: Brilliant. So coming out of lockdown, when we eventually do,
1: yeah. will you
0: continue with with doing a lot of stuff that you weren't doing before online? online?
1: I think... Um, there's a lot of people have said that we will work in more of a hybrid manner when we come out of lockdown and I think they're right because I think we've seen the beauty of what we can do online and how far we can connect online compared to face-to-face okay. so my business will be a mix I think I feel like I may go out to do my coaching face-to-face certainly in corporates but my speaking is what I really want to do face-to-face again you're going to yeah. know this uh, from yeah <laughs> it's nothing like it is there and I know really? I'm not an actor I'm a speaker but it's that same wonderful energy of being yeah. with a live audience yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I'm the same with my with my workshops I, I do I have taken them online and they do work to a certain degree uh, I'm doing an improvisation course starting next week
1: wonderful online
0: not sure how that's going to go I love it looking forward to it um but yeah to get back, to be in a room especially when you're coaching as well I think or teaching you know, to actually have people around you to move and I love yeah. a love of organisation and getting people to sort of outside their comfort zone, which is difficult when you're on a screen. It's, it's I,
1: hard. You, there's cues you miss online yeah. that you would get in, in person, you yeah. know, so it is harder to yeah. do it.
0: But what I am loving is the fact that it, it can be global.
1: Yes, isn't that I mean, amazing? Yeah.
0: I mean, I've been in Zoom rooms all over the world.
1: Me too, yeah, yeah. Me, me too. too. Yeah, It's very special and I think we have to really appreciate that if, if the pandemic has done anything, I truly believe it's brought us together. Yeah. I really do.
0: Yeah, no, no, I do as well. And I think it has made people more creative because yeah. people have had the time to be more creative. And they've had to, you know, there's a. I I believe that creativity is also um, problem solving. Yes. So, you know, there are so many problems that have had to be solved. I mean, Zoom sort of jumped into that space but it's had to develop because suddenly you yeah, know everybody everyone was end, using end, it end, yeah. so it, w- we can come out of this with so much innovation I think you know yeah I hope so time. yeah I hope but tell, so. tell me about bounce back ability is that yeah. got to do with with going through lockdown
1: it's also to do with my journey I think from losing the business and I, um, when I was talking in my TEDx I remembered that somebody had once said to me well George you've got bounce back ability I just remember being, re- what a lovely word. <laughs> yeah. and, and obviously, I, I always feel quite flattered if someone sees that I'm surviving you know, and, and recovering because internally, it doesn't always feel that way, does it? Yeah. And I started to think about the whole bounce-back ability process and, and look at what were the things I did. And I created an acronym which is called Bounce because bounce-back ability is far too long, Jackie. Yeah. Um, so Bounce for me was the, the things that I really did hone in on so breathe uh, look at opportunities understand exactly what's going on the necessities um also the choice and then the energy and that's what they kind of stand for as as letters and then I've built talks around that acronym and I'm also now writing my second book which is very much uh, bordering around the bounce back ability theme so yeah Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about the book because I mean, the the love, love it, live it, love it, sell it uh, and the acronyms and everything. We'll come on to words in a minute, but just show us the book because I love that.
1: So this is my my first book, I should say, because I am writing my second book. So this is my uh, my book. I hope you can see it all right. And live it, love it, sell it. How to win at sales with the art of human conversation is kind of the, the theme of it. For me, when I was trained to sell, as I said earlier, Jackie, it was awful. It was this whole process. It was scripts. It was now you do this with the customer. Now you do this. With, and then you, and it was like, what if the customer doesn't want to do that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So I was a bit, I that's
0: where people get that kind of, ooh, yeah. that's <laughs> it, don't they? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I think I was a bit rebellious. And when I went out to sell, I was definitely looking at, Um, I loved what I was selling. That was the starting point. I just loved it. I was confident for that reason. I enjoyed who I was as a person because I think I understood me, my values, my strengths. I am extrovert, to be fair, but all of that was really in this settled place. Loved what I was selling. Therefore, then I was curious about the customer, Learned to love who they were and find out what they really needed and then I was able to create a relationship with them. Well, that's sales ultimately. So there was this sales road trip really that was something I was, I was creating. And that was live it, love it, sell it. So it was like, live it, are you fit to travel? The sales road trip, love it. Um, have you planned your route? And then sell it reaching your destination. And yeah. that's the format of the book. So it's lots of exercises, looking at who you are, who your customer is. Uh, there's a couple of templatey things in there as well. But there's also, we've through it, my stories of why I've, write, I've written the book and what I learned in my journey. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. And um, uh, uh, going back to words uh, and again, uh, acronyms, I, I have a thing about um, alliteration, <laughs> creative conversations, Atticus Arts. Is, yeah. It yeah. is the kind of thing, isn't
1: it? Like my threes, well, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Um, but your thing is, is the acronyms. And I, I recently listened to one of your podcasts on words. And spookily, I had written a blog myself literally a week or so ago about words. And it's not what you say, but how you say it.
1: Yeah.
0: So yeah. what's your relationship with words? How, how do words work with you? And tell us maybe a little bit about that acronym.
1: Well, I think for me, there was, a, I think because I've come from this trained sales background, we were told what words we should use, you know, and I say, I say it in that tone because that's how it felt. You've got to use these words. And then in that corporate space, there's those corporate words, you know. So for me, I was coming away from uh, maybe being rebellious, if you like, of the, the words you should use. And actually, why don't we embrace the words that are our words, which makes us unique? yeah you know and makes us memorable so my relationship with words is much more about them being your words um you know and and how you want to say something and express yourself rather than a script or something that you've been told to say yeah I think that's probably the best way for me to just yeah. about words, really,
0: and it does. It comes. It comes back to story, doesn't it? And it comes yeah. back to to people sharing where they've come from, really. Yeah, in their own words. Yeah. I mean, I, talking to Sarah Townsend, uh, who's a another best selling author of uh, her free
1: fabulous lady. Yeah,
0: fabulous lady, um, and she has a, a quote on her website which we uh, was from Nelson Mandela, um, saying basically, if you talk to a man, in uh, in if you talk to a man, it will go straight to his head. But if you talk to him using his language, it will go to his heart. Yes. So, it, you know, it's very it's very much, you know, using th- your words and your story to validate, as we've said, to validate yeah. people's stories. And yeah, to very, much.
1: Inspire, so. very much. I mean, I, I've got on my website, I think I say really, really early on, stop selling to your customers and start loving them. Yeah. And again, you know, those words for me... They're my words, but they're really important words for me in sales. And so if that's not your thing, you're probably not going to connect with me and you probably won't be my ideal customer. Because I believe that that's also how we connect is through values and just shared um, things that we agree on, really, you know? Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Well, just before we come to the end of our, our pod- podcast, which has been amazing to talk to you, I have to say. Thank There is just one thing that I have to ask you about, and I think it might even be something else we might have in common, is that you were Miss Pontins
1: aged four. <laughs> I was. Do you remember that? I um, I have pictures from uh, from that moment, and when I look at the pictures... I definitely have a memory of it, if that makes sense, because I was little. Yeah. Um, so, yes, there are things about it that I definitely remember, mainly being completely petrified, quite frankly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, I said we, it might be something we have in common. When I was 14, I, in, in a very Monopoly-like way, I came second in a beauty contest <laughs> at Pontins
1: lovely I love it
0: so yeah at 14 and when I look at the photographs now I look like a tomboy why are they even chosen for a <laughs> beauty contest god knows why um so, so miss pontins what what was that then what was that a be- was that a beauty contest what did do you remember what you had to do
1: it was a little talent competition and obviously pontins if people don't know is the holiday they were a holiday oh, camp just awesome. like butlins weren't yeah. they at the time the I think they're fans. still around yeah, yeah I think they're still around but not as prominent as butlins um, were and, yeah, it was just talent competition, definitely really young children who were very scared kind of competition. So I probably didn't have a lot of competition, quite honestly. And I think I sang either Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star or Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It was one oh, of those oh. two.
0: <laughs> Is there a recording out there?
1: Anymore? No. <laughs> I'm too old for those sort of things to be recorded. <laughs>
0: oh, that's it. Our kids these days, they get no—they get away with nothing, do they? It's recorded exactly. 100 times from, from 10 different angles. Yeah.
1: yeah yeah so no I've got pictures but definitely no recordings so <laughs> oh, brilliant uh,
0: well tell us where we can find you tell us maybe what you you know what's coming up for you uh and and just maybe tell us the website and where we can find the high street
1: yeah thank you so the website's live it love it sell it.co.uk so it's, it's quite easy to find me I've kind of kept the live it love it sell it theme going so if you google that you can usually find something or somewhere to connect with me. I think for me, the the membership is definitely going to be what I will be growing this year and evolving, which is lovely. And there's a page on there which tells you all about it and how it all works. So that's really nice. I've got the podcast because I run my own podcast called Live It, Love It, Sell It, The Human Conversation. Um, And then obviously uh, I will be still speaking. I've got a speaking gig this week, actually, but it's virtual. So until we let out again, I yeah. will still be speaking at events uh, where, where I'm yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. asked. And what's the new book about? How far in, uh, into that are you?
1: Yeah, I'm uh, early into it. It's mapped out. I have the book plan and I'm now just writing. Uh, it's actually quite personal in terms of there's a lot in there about my mum and dad. And it's it's almost written a bit for them. Uh, so I don't want to give too much away about it but when when I've finished it it's going to be a really special book so I'm I'm really enjoying it
0: yeah oh it's been fabulous to to meet you virtually and Uh, you and lovely to talk to you and so there seems to be quite a lot of synergy between us which is really really lovely so hopefully we will connect again oh
1: I hope so Jackie
0: thank you but for now thank you very much Jules Uh, see you very soon see you soon Thank you for listening. And please subscribe, follow or like. And if you'd like more information on me or my guests or would like to know how we could work together, then visit the website www.atticusarts.com. I'd love to hear from you. Take care.